Welcome to Saltivation. The Saltivation Show is a podcast series featuring the leading voices in salt, where we talk about the issues and strategies to help you make sense of state and local tax. Hello, everyone. My name is Judy Borndren with TaxOps Salt, saltivation.com. We, uh, Alex and I were just chatting about another issue in the city of Chicago and the way fair nexus thresholds and some of the challenges with the prior physical presence issues and so forth. But as we were chatting, we started to just sort of talk about why is it that this isn't a priority for taxpayers or even an understanding for CFOs and controllers, business people. There's just such a challenge in our nation about understanding the importance of getting your arm around your state and local tax issues. And Wayfair has certainly risen a lot of that to prominence. But what has happened is we have these conversations with our clients about Wayfair being the driver for compliance. We end up finding they already had nexus for some other reason, because why would they otherwise have had business in the state that was out of their domicile? So you're at a state like Illinois, and then all of a sudden you find you have customers in California and Texas and Oklahoma or Vermont. I mean, you just could sell anywhere to anyone because your product is can get to market via Amazon if you're selling a thing or your software. Anybody with Wi-Fi can access it. So it's what I find very interesting is how easy it is for businesses to tax customers out of state, but how little uh, regard is given to the sourcing of the revenue, the understanding of the business footprint, and whether or not they, how they got that customer in that jurisdiction. And then, of course, Wayfair has said, we should pay attention to this because we've sold an economic amount of stuff into a state. But when we start talking to them, we find out they've already been in the state because they already be able to market because they could. So what do you think, Alex? Why do you think it is in our field that we struggle so much with educating people about how to pick tax advisors that specialize in our space? You know, Judy, honestly, I I, I wish I had a great answer. I don't. I, I've been ruminating on this, I think, my, possibly my entire career. I, you know, I think before before I say anything else, I, I, I do want to qualify something, or at least my viewpoint. We're in this specific industry, right? So we we are intimately aware of what's going on with our industry. And we have to acknowledge that CFOs and VPs of tax and, and other business leaders and entrepreneurs are dealing with a much larger pool of responsibility, so to speak, right? Where we're just one small little element of, of the entire pie for them. But where I think, you know, an important one because getting taxes wrong, maybe not immediately, immediately, but ultimately bites you in the rear end and, it, and it's typically an expensive bite, which is why we're squeaking so loud and uh, and trying to help as many taxpayers as we can avoid that bite by being proactive. So having said that, I, I don't know why there's, why there's such misapprehension as far as professional services go. And I think that probably extends to other industries as well. You know, but the uh, the old saying, um, you know, you think it's expensive to hire a professional wait until you hire an amateur comes to mind. I, I think, you know, expertise is expensive and I would always be careful of hiring the lowest bidder, right? We, you know, our, our approach is, is always holistic. Uh, nothing in the state in the state tax field really happens in a vacuum. Uh, so when you're talking to a provider who is an expert in sales tax only, you might be making sales tax decisions or decisions for sales tax that are affecting your state income tax position or affecting credits 
or affecting payroll or vice versa. Payroll is affecting sales tax or income tax is affecting sales tax or payroll is affecting unclaimed property, right? I mean, there's there's a a web that is weaved between each one of these sub sub tax types under that all fall under the state tax category. And if a provider isn't well versed in each one of those, then um, you may be getting good advice for one of the sub subtypes, but not really considering the ramifications of another. So, you know, that's just that's just a few kind of off the top of my head thoughts. I, I don't know. Yeah, and I think it's been interesting how with, you know, in my experience working at the largest firms of the world, like I uh, worked at Deloitte and PricewaterhouseCoopers, as did you work at a big, large firm. And so we're working with giant, multinational, Fortune 500, and then all kinds of different in between. But there is this market of understanding. They might even have an entire group of people like us at their firm, at their Mm -hmm. company. And we're working in conjunction with, because they can only handle so much volume. There's so much volume running through the business of information that they can only handle certain pieces of it and they need that extra help. But then there's companies that have nobody who does this at all. Maybe they have a bookkeeper or a controller, maybe not even a CFO. So there's a level of excellence and competency and so many hats being put upon the in-house accounting, bookkeeping staff, APAR, and whether or not you have enough to kind of really manage your outputs and your reconciliations and your financial accounting. Adding tax onto that is just a layer that's kind of crazy, right? So I think there's that. And then they don't really know how to buy those services, right? Or they think, like you said, I've got this problem in sales tax, or I need to get a payroll registration. The payroll provider sets up the payroll account, and then they don't look at the sales tax. Nobody looks at it. It's on the same bloody form, but they don't even think about it. And at the same time, they could have got things set up. They didn't. But of course, even if they did, they'd have to file returns and they're not ready to file returns. So thankfully we see automation out there with more providers connecting to more systems. But even that has been sort of oversold and underdelivered where it's like, we've got the connector, but it's not just a plug and play because it's your unique business. And you've got to really understand that to set it up well. And you've been busy getting your product to market and just making sure you get orders and have a business. Then your success is the problem, right? Because then it's hard to actually put something in lockstep with that. So, yeah. I, I mean, I just think it's, but I also wonder if it's just like a culture of avoidance or I almost hate for enforcement to be the driver of compliance, but it's sort of a push-pull of like, if you're successful, you comply, but it still takes time because you can't do it right away or you're, uh, you're, you get in trouble and then that's how you comply. So yeah. I just think it's interesting that there is this, slicing and dicing in our nation of different expertise in the tax community that everybody thinks what that one person can do it all they can't and you like you said you've got to get expertise i don't know it's just something where we continue to be i continue to be a little kerfuffled is my new term my new word (laughs) about that i i try to educate people about the why it matters and then sometimes they hear it and sometimes they just don't want to listen right now and I hate for that to be the listen me, you're going to have a giant assessment. And we have a client right now with a very large audit assessment in one jurisdiction. I mean, that's sort of heartbreaking to me because the tax should have been collected from the customer and they should know it, but they're going to owe it. And they could go back and recoup it if they want it, but they probably won't. So yeah. now you've just added like a head count that didn't get you ahead. It just paid the government tax you could didn't get right. But the money is real, but somehow there isn't a belief that it is. So yeah. I think that's an interesting issue too. It is. And you know, and I, I've heard several times before where, you know, where an entrepreneur has said, 
in response to our, you know, our, our, our fair warnings is, you know, well, you're just kind of, you're just using a stick, the, you know, the, the stick methodology to, to, you know, to scare me into buying services. And, you know, I, I really don't like that because that's not yeah. what we're trying to do. I mean, we, we, we hold ourselves to a higher standard where, you know, we're professionals. Uh, we've been doing this a long time and, and we've seen plenty of audit enforcement uh, in our careers that have led to large assessments. And, you know, we're trying to act in your best interest. We're not trying to sell you services that you don't need. Correct. Um, and uh, in, in this particular case that comes to mind, they, they had a, a, a local provider who was doing their, their state income tax compliance. And this provider said in response to that, well, we've, we've never had an audit before. And, you know, I, I'm not sure what that meant, if they meant that as a firm, they've none of their clients have ever been audited or or this company has never been audited and they've never defended it. You know, and, and that might be true, unlikely, but but true. But that doesn't mean that there aren't audits. There Correct. are, you know, where I personally have six of them that I'm defending right now. You know, they they happen. We've had a little bit of a lull, I think, in the last three years since Wayfair, at least on the sales tax side. But you know, yep. but we're at that three-year mark, and they're going to start coming now, especially after after COVID is this kind of, you know, workplaces are starting to return to you know whatever normal is now. But we're stabilizing, and I think the audits are going to start start picking up, and we're seeing that. So I just, it's just, you know, it's interesting. I, I just, I, I kind of, I, I, I was a little taken aback by that comment. You know, we're <laughs> we're not here to upsell you anything. We're here to get your back. Yeah. Well, and not only that, but just because you haven't been audited means you don't have to comply. Like you're supposed to comply. Like that's what it's expected. We have a voluntary system. So why am I convincing you to follow what the law requires? So yeah, it's it's sort of a just, you know, it's interesting in different cultures. We have clients in the UK, we have clients in Spain, whatever. We have different country cultures and some of those cultures are much more compliant and more they take it very seriously as an owner and so forth that they want to comply as fully as possible. Now you can never full comply a hundred percent. That's that's just not unfortunately just the way business operates. You can't always get it exactly right, but you can get pretty darn close. But then there's this other side of like non-compliance. It's very interesting to me. And we sort of have a structure or a nature in America that we don't like paying taxes, which I appreciate. And like nobody wants to pay more than their fair share. But what is a fair yeah, share? And they shouldn't, yeah. So I think that is a very and clearly and that's what we're here for is to make sure that you don't. <laughs> yeah, yeah, good point. And and yeah. and that it's mindful and well thought through, and that the government, when asked, they're going to say to you, you're going to say to them, yes, we thought about this. This is what the state, the law says. This is what we're doing, and this is how we're applying it. I think that's a fair standard to you, and you're getting your fair share. Yeah. Anyway, I just. Something I've been really quandering about and why I want to educate people about how important it is to pick a good provider and to understand their expertise and not just their sales pitch, right? To really vet them. But if you don't know what you don't know, then how do you know if they're a good provider, right? Yeah. If you don't know how many clients they've helped, how how long they practice in their area, what, what their experience has been, it's important to see that and decide if that's the right provider for you. And there's a lot of people getting in this game now, especially with Wayfair that are sort of maybe not completely qualified to handle all the pieces that you might need. And it's important to vet that so you can get the right set of 
people. Like no lawyer, you know, we're both lawyers and no lawyer, like my husband's a securities lawyer. Like he doesn't do employment law. He doesn't set up contracts. You know, he doesn't do uh, landlord tenant, right? Mm-hmm. He just doesn't. He would never even touch that area. It's enough to knowledge to know how to research it because he's a lawyer, but he practices in an area that has expertise. And just something about our CPA community where we're a little too general, but you've got audits, you've got tax, you've got IT, you've got billing, AR, financial accounting, you've got GAAP, you've got tax. I mean, it's not all the same animal. So it's important to kind of assimilate a group of providers that can really give you best practices in lots of different areas. And that's kind of what we try to do here at Tax Ops. That's right. Absolutely. We'll keep fighting a good fight. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right. Thanks for taking your time to listen. If you guys want to hear any more from us, check out saltovation.com. Thank you. This podcast is for educational purposes only and is not intended, nor should it be relied upon as legal, tax, accounting, or investment advice. You should consult with a competent professional to discuss specifics of your situation and the applicability of the information presented.